Welcome back to Spoiler Free Wrestling, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Ian Carey, and we are talking all the news in All Elite Wrestling as they presented the 10th ever edition of Dynamite last night from Champaign, Illinois. There's a lot to unpack with the show. We've only got two episodes of Dynamite left in 2019, but let's get right into it. Dynamite kicked off last night with trios action between the Elite and the Inner Circle. And I thought as this match was going on, how many of these Elite versus Inner Circle faction-on-faction matches are we going to see? It didn't take long for this to be the prevailing storyline in All Elite Wrestling. And it makes sense. Cody even said in a promo after the inner circle had formed that we were looking for a group just like you. Even if you didn't exist, exist, we were looking for you. Remembering that AEW is a promotion that formed when some very popular wrestlers were all free agents at the same time and had all been appearing on Being the Elite. I mean, the Elite, basically. AEW formed because the Elite all signed with Tony Khan. That makes... that (laughs) Right there, that arguably makes the Elite the most successful wrestling faction of all time. Has any other wrestling faction gotten their own show? I mean, the New World Order got their own pay-per-view, but it sort of bombed. They teased the idea of the NWA or NWO getting their own show, but it never actually happened. The Elite did, though. Their faction became so popular that when they were free agents... A wrestling promotion which didn't exist bought up their contract or signed them up and built a promotion around them. So you've got five really popular wrestlers. And who do they feud with? And this was sort of a bit of a critique or a negative critique of AEW before they really got going with Dynamite was that their roster just doesn't have enough heels. You had Chris Jericho, who's clearly a heel. You had MJF, who was clearly a heel. But other than that, everybody else was sort of a popular wrestler that everybody was rooting for. And so they would have to turn people. They would turn Sean Spears. Remember, everybody loved Sean Spears. He was the perfect 10 guy until he clocked Cody in the head with a chair. Chris Jericho, everybody loves Chris Jericho, but they, we know it's our role to boo him as well. And Chris Jericho also knows Chris Jericho is possibly the greatest of all time at getting people who like him to boo him. You know, a, a Chris Jericho promo always starts off with people chanting thank you, Adam, and always ends with him getting booed as him being the most unpopular person in the promo. And then when it's over, after you're all done booing Chris Jericho, you can resume thinking or thinking about how awesome he is. That's generally how Chris Jericho promos go. 
But the inner circle, they, they needed this faction to feud with all their, their popular stars. They needed these bad guys to feud with their good guys. And so that's what we had here to, to kick off Dynamite was the inner circle versus the elite in a very high-paced fun match. Oh, and now, of course, in the elite, you've sort of got Dustin Rhodes taking on the spot left by, by Hangman Page. Hangman Page has left the elite. And we saw in um, a backstage segment, Hangman Page tell the rest of the elite he's tired of being the member of the group that loses all the time. So he's, he's gone from this inner circle versus the elite feud. What that means for him and where he's going to go, he said, hey, we don't have any ill will between me and the elite, but I'm just not going to be with them anymore. Which more or less just says, hey, whatever I'm involved in, it's going to be separate from the inner circle and the elite rivalry. And it does kind of remind me a little bit of WCW versus NWO. I mean, not really, but a little bit. This faction warfare. And we've heard Cody... Cody has sort of dropped the hint. He dropped the line of the match beyond in a promo once, which is the match beyond was the name given to the part of the War Games match where after everybody's been entered. And it sounds as though Cody has tried to trademark this term. So does the elite versus the inner circle peak in a war games match? I think there's lots of reason to believe that it could. And the finish of this match here, I mean, it was, uh, there was a lot of big moves. But it ended with, uh, I mean, Nick Jackson came off the top rope, did a Meltzer driver to everybody. But the Elite ended up coming away, the winners in the opener last night. And that's how Dynamite would kick off from Champaign, Illinois, last night. Then next up on Dynamite, we had Trent from the Best Friends going up against Ray Phoenix. So, two weeks in a row, Trent... Well, Trent was coming into this match having scored a pinfall on the Lucha Bros two weeks in a row. Well, he defeated Pentagon in a singles match on Dark two weeks ago, which was a big upset. And if you were like me, I think... Well, I think many people were kind of watching that episode of Dark just assuming Pentagon would beat Trent... And then Trent won with that reverse pile driver that he did. I was like, hey, great. Uh, well, you know, great if you're a fan of the best friends. Then last week, we had the best friends go up against the Lucha Bros in tag team action. And again, we had Trent scoring the victory with that reverse pile driver move that he does. And so it really looked like at that point, okay, all right. The best friends really have the edge in this rivalry, and Trent seems to be someone coming in on a hot streak. But Trent's hot streak would end here, 
as Phoenix was able to pick up the victory here as he picked up the win with a um, like a spinning muscle bustle Mu muscle buster and got the win for his team there so Phoenix scoring the win over Trent ending Trent's hot streak now what does this mean for the future of, of these two teams are we going to see them go at it again? Not really sure. Not really sure where this this does leave us. I guess we're going to find out more on Dynamite next week. And uh, we'll just see what is next for the Best Friends and the Lucha Bros. It's one of those things where we're just now kind of figuring out how AEW does things. Right, like if it was WWE and you saw somebody win two weeks in a row and that person hadn't won on TV in a while, you'd be like, okay, well, that person's going to keep winning until there's a pay-per-view or for, you know, something like that. But with AEW, like, it seemed like, okay, well, we've seen Trent win with the same move twice in a row. He beat Pentagon and the best friends beat the Lucha Bros. I mean, the trend would say that Trent is going to win this match here against Phoenix, but that's not what happened. So we now know, hey, all right, just because you've seen somebody win two weeks in a row doesn't mean they're going to win that third week. And it doesn't mean that that person is necessarily being built to a pay-per-view or a championship match. Winning a couple weeks in a row and then losing a couple weeks in a row might be standard fare for this promotion. We don't know. We've only had 10 weeks. So we're not, we don't have a good idea of sort of their, their booking strategies or tendencies yet. We don't really know. So it's hard to predict where this is going to go between the Lucha Bros and the Best Friends. We're just going to have to tune in next week and see if they wrestle again. See if Trent wrestles somebody from the Lucha Bros again. See, maybe sexy Chucky e. T wrestles somebody from the Lucha Bros. Um, we're just going to have to see. The next up, Cody came out to cut a promo. And I don't know what is going on with the scar above Cody's eye, but it still looks like he's got a huge bump there. Like, it still looks like it's swelled out and is kind of gross to look at. He really messed up his eye in that match. And Cody is in an interesting spot here because everybody seems to be gunning for Cody. Like, he's in this feud with MJF, MJF stemming from what happened at All Out, with MJF throwing in the towel. And then MJF goes on record saying he's never going to wrestle Cody. So Cody comes out this week and says, well, how much is it worth to you? And he throws the keys to his car down and says, you know, it's yours. I guess, you know, it's yours if you choose to wrestle me. Takes off his expensive shoes, throws them to the middle of the mat. Oh, they, you want these shoes? They're yours. So basically saying he'll pay MJF or bribe MJF to take a match with him. But MJF isn't the only person that Cody's got to worry about. He's got the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny to worry about as well. 
And we talked about this last week. The Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny have all wrestled around the Toronto area where this podcast is being recorded from. They've wrestled here quite a bit. Ali is from Toronto. Ali's like an old punk rocker, too. She used to be like into the punk rock scene in Toronto. Anywho. Um, the Blade is her husband. They've been married for like the last six years. His name's Pepper Parks. He's been an impact. He's been around. Uh, and The Butcher. Good Lord. I first saw The Butcher, I guess a year or two ago, for Smash Wrestling in Toronto. And he's just this big, like, like bare-knuckled boxer type where he's got the, the, the mustache that you can twirl and the monocle. Like, it's just a, like, a, like an old-school, bare-knuckled boxer tough guy. It's a very, like, throwback look that the butcher has. And then Allie's great. You know, Allie does lots of stuff. I'm, I'm surprised that Allie is not just going to be bubbly, fun, lovable Allie. And she's sort of switched between two types of characters throughout her career. She started off under the name Cherry Bomb in Toronto, which is perfect for him, for her. Like, um... And it wasn't until she got signed to TNA that they changed her name to Allie. But as Cherry Bomb, she was building up quite a following on the indie scene here. And then, of course, she goes to... She started an impact like she, she was Allie and she was somebody's, like, assistant or something. And then, yeah. But she also, near the end of her impact run, she was the demon... Well, she was Dark Allie. And this was, she had actually gone into the undead realm to wrestle Kira Hogan. If you're not following Impact, they do a lot of this undead realm crazy stuff that I'm sure is coming from Jimmy Jacobs. Uh, but it was really good. So it's like her, Rosemary, Sue Young, Havoc is now involved in that stuff now. They actually killed off Dark Alley in the undead realm. Um... I can't remember exactly what happened, but Ali's character in Impact Wrestling died. Was like killed. That's why I, I thought it was weird when Brandy was bringing up their history and Impact together with Ali. I was like, well, you can't acknowledge Impact on AEW as it relates to, to Ali because Ali died in that promotion. If we're acknowledging that promotion, then Ali's not alive. Um... But anyways, the Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny are also feuding with Cody. And so when Cody was all done bribing JBF, um, or actually maybe he did this before or whatever, but he told the Butcher and the Blade, yeah, all right, let's have a match. I'll, I'll face you. I'll face both of you guys and we'll do it next week. And... He was allowing the Butcher and the Blade to be the ones to pick his partner for the match. And so the Butcher and the Blade have now done this. And so next week, it will be the Butcher and the Blade managed by Ali going up against Cody and QT Marshall, who works backstage at AEW. 
Uh, he wrestled a bit with Ring of Honor. I think he's done a match on Dark. Like, he wrestles as well. He wrestled a little bit in Ring of Honor. Um, but he is going to be Cody's opponent next week as we get the debut of the Butcher and the Blade. And so they're going to be in the tag team division. But this is almost like, it's almost like Cody has this little roadblock in his path to get to MJF and Wardlow. And so he's got MJF is just going to try and avoid facing Cody for as long as he can. And in the meantime, Cody's got to, to face this butcher and the blade and Allie. And we got a little bit of a promo from them this week, but we didn't get too much of their backstory or why they're coming after Cody. Although it was brought up that, uh, it was brought up online. Somebody said that, uh, or reminded everybody that it was Cody's wife, Brandy, who came out and brought Awesome Kong, and they beat up, well, Awesome Kong beat up Allie and took a chunk of her hair. And that was the last time we saw Allie before she came up through the ring mat as the bunny along with the Butcher and the Blade. So that is likely her motivation for kind of going dark here in AEW. We got more videos from the Dark Order. And these vignettes and these segments that show the Dark Order as this underground sort of cult, secret society that these guys belong to. And there was a, a very important story was told in the Dark Order vignettes this week. So we've been seeing this one guy, kind of looks like Conrad Thompson. It isn't Conrad Thompson. Um, we've seen this guy kind of show up at these meetings, these dark order meetings and everything seems fine. It's just, you know, it's a guy who wants to stop losing and start winning. What maybe wants to join a community, you know? And so he's going to these meetings and then this week we see a, a segment where all these new pledges to the dark order they have hoods over their faces and they're in the deep woods somewhere. They take the hood off one of these Dark Order pledges and they ask him, why do you want to join the Dark Order? The person says, revenge. And they allow him to join the Dark Order. But then when the guy who kind of looks like Conrad Thompson is asked, why do you want to join the Dark Order? He said he just wants friends. He wants a community. He wants a community to belong to. Which I imagine is why most people join cults or organizations that have similarities with cults. I don't know. But instead of allowing the Conrad Thompson-looking fellow to join the Dark Order, the Dark Order all attack him. And so we're left to wonder, how come when the guy said his motivation was revenge, was he allowed to join the Dark Order? But when somebody said their motivation was friendship, they weren't. And it's because only people with sinister motivations 
are allowed in the dark order. And I think that really builds, it really builds the dark order up as this new unique faction. Then yeah, it's Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. And they say Stu Grayson is like the top pupil of this faceless cult leader who we don't really, we don't know them. They don't come to the ring. They're not part of wrestling. They might be later, but. And so will we see other Dark Order members? Will the Dark Order stop being just a tag team and kind of be more of a faction? Where we see some of these minions, some of these crawlers actually become members of the AEW roster. I mean, I guess Evil Uno is sort of like a crawler, but he clearly wrestles. But yeah, will we see more Dark Order members? Or is it just going to continue being Stu Grayson and Evil Uno? Now, Grayson and Uno, they are from Montreal, I want to say. But they've done a lot of wrestling in Toronto and Montreal, so like Smash Wrestling, Independence Around Here. They wrestled for Ring of Honor. They had had issues, or at least one or both of them had some issues with the American border getting across. And this is a common problem for Canadian wrestlers. If they're caught going to the States without a work visa and working, it can cause problems for, for them later trying to get across the border. So I don't know if that's what happened with the members of the Dark Order previously. But it seemed like they were having real trouble getting signed anywhere because uh, one or both of them was not allowed to wrestle in the States. Um, however, that seems like it's been all cleared up. Like, usually if... Okay, like for somebody that this happens to, if they're offered like a full-time contract by a promotion that promotion can usually obtain like a work visa for someone. Or I, I don't know if it's a work visa, but they can work around these problems of somebody not being allowed across the border. And so I'm assuming that's what happened with AEW. And the team formerly known as the Super Smash Bros. But also like Speedball Mike Bailey is a great talent. Nicole Matthews is another one. That that's sort of happening with as well. So anyway, that's probably enough on the Dark Order for right now. All right, so let's move on to uh, an unannounced match between Nyla Rose and the librarian Leva Bates. Now, this is the second time, actually, that these two have wrestled each other. Nyla Rose defeated Bates on an episode of Dark not long ago, and she sort of rolled right through Leva Bates here. But then the real interesting stuff in this segment actually happened in the split screen while there was a commercial going on. And so it's after the match, Nyla Rose has won, but she continued the attack on Bates. Referee Rick Knox tried to get involved, and she ended up powerbombing him through a table. Then when Shauna, who's the, the wrestler from Portugal slash France, she came out to try and stop Nyla Rose. And those two had been involved. They filmed some segment where Rose attacked Shauna 
at a meet and greet not long ago. So Shauna and Nyla Rose look like they're entering into a feud with each other. So Shauna came out, tried to stop Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose just powerbombed her on top of Rick Knox. Then AEW came out today and said that Nyla Rose has been suspended for the rest of 2019. So, so we, we won't see Nyla Rose until at least the New Year's Day edition of Dynamite. But when we do see her, it looks like she's going to enter into this feud here with Shauna, who was signed to AEW last month. So interesting stuff going on here. Nyla Rose suspended, defeated Leva Bates here, and we'll see what comes from this. Next up. We got a segment with Le Champion, Chris Jericho, and he came with a very maroon-dressed, big hurt Jack Hager to the ring. And it was kind of interesting because, you know, they were in Champaign, Illinois, and Jericho is marketing a champagne. Well, it's actually a sparkling wine, which might be what champagne is. I don't really know. Um, I haven't won enough championships in my life to really know much about champagne. Wonder, is that why they use champagne? Because it kind of sounds like champ... Okay, anyway. So this was a very eventful Jericho segment. He announced they've sold 12,000 bottles of a little bit of the bubble in just one week. And he also debuted... Um, well, it wasn't the return of anything, but it was the debut of something which will remind a lot of people about a famous sort of thing he used to do back in 2016. So Jericho came out and he was going to debut a list. Oh, he said, well, he said AEW management is saying he has to wrestle one more time before the end of the year. Now, Jericho never said he has to defend his title by the end of the year. So I don't know if this is going to be a title match or not, but we'll, we'll see. And so Jericho says, all right, AEW management is telling me I have to wrestle once more before the end of 2019. And so I'm going to list off a bunch of names who I'm not willing to wrestle. Sorry, he wasn't going to list them off. He was going to read the wrestlers he's refusing to compete against, uh, not off a list, but rather off the lexicon of Le Champion. And this segment reminded me a lot of when Jericho was feuding with Dean Malenko in WCW. Dean Malenko was nicknamed the Man of a Thousand Holds. Jericho claimed he was the Man of a Thousand and Four Holds. And on one episode of Nitro, he brought out a list and proceeded to read off all 1,004 moves that he knew. However, like every fourth move was armbar. And kind of like that, when he was reading off his list of wrestlers he's refusing to compete against on Dynamite last night, every fourth name was Moxley. But then Jurassic Express made their way down to the ring. Marco Stunt, Luchasaurus, and Jungle Boy. And none of, none of their names were on Jericho's lexicon. 
So they came out and Luchasaurus cut a bit of a promo and said, you know, I have a master's degree in medieval history. I'm not, you know, just going to roar and make dinosaur sounds. But through this promo, Jurassic Express revealed that Jericho in two weeks will be wrestling Jungle Boy. And Jungle Boy up until this point has not talked. I don't think he's even talked on the indies. I think he's just been Jungle Boy. He's been silent. He's been silent in all of his vignettes. But he spoke here. And as Jericho was telling Jungle Boy he couldn't last 10 minutes with him, Jungle Boy said, I know I can last 10 minutes with you, and I'm going to kick your ass. And then he slapped Jericho. It started a brawl. And we're going to get Jungle Boy versus Chris Jericho on the December 18th edition of Dynamite from Corpus Christi, Texas. And there's such a bright future for Jungle Boy. It's sort of interesting because you've got Jungle Boy and Chris Jericho. It's similar to kind of Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, where you've got these two guys on opposite ends of their careers. I mean, Jericho, you know, is 49 years old. Hopefully he'll be around for many more years. I mean, what we know of how to take care of your body as you get older has increased so much as of late that there's no reason why Jericho can't, you know, wrestle 12 matches a year when he's 55 or something. Look at PCO. Look what PCO's up to. But, for all intents and purposes, you could say Jericho's nearing the end of his very long pro wrestling career, whereas guys like Jungle Boy and Sammy Guevara, I mean, they weren't even born yet when Jericho started his career. Jericho has been wrestling longer than Jungle Boy and Sammy Guevara have been alive. So it's really interesting. I I just think this this match is going to be pretty interesting and it's going to be the biggest stage that jungle boy jack perry has ever performed on and i think the jericho versus jungle boy match is probably something that aw's hoping will sell tickets to the event will get people to watch on december 18th i mean it should be a It should be really interesting to find out exactly what they do in that match. And how good Jungle Boy comes out looking. How good Jericho comes out looking. Now next up, we had a very interesting match in the women's division. We had the number one ranked Hikaru Shida going up against the Galaxy's favorite alien, Chris Statlander. And this was just the third match that Statlander... Um, has had an AEW, and she lost the other two. I mean, they were both tag matches and, and whatever, but this was her first singles match, and she's going up against the number one contender, right? So she does the number one contender. It looks to everyone like she's on pace to be the next one to face Riho, but Statlander pulled off the upset here and defeated Hikaru Shida with a cradled tombstone for the win. And so now we've got to find out a little bit more about how AEW is going to do their rankings. Because you had an unranked wrestler beating the number one contender. 
Now, when the best friends beat the Lucha Bros and they were the number one contenders, it sort of it knocked the Lucha Bros down and it knocked the best friends. Oh, hold on a second. What are what what are the rankings that we're going into this here? Um yeah, so they so the best friends were unranked. The Lucha Bros were the number one seed. And then when the best friends beat the Lucha Bros, the seedings that came out, they had the best friends at number three and the Lucha Bros at number four. So something like that could happen where you put Chris Statlander at number three, Sheeta at number four. But then who are the top two seeds? Or do you put Chris Statlander right in the top spot because she beat the number one contender? What about Emi Sakura? She scored a win not so long ago there. You can't put Britt Baker past Takaro Shida, I don't think, because Shida beat her. And Baker also lost to Riho. Now you've got Nyla Rose who's on a win streak, but she's now suspended. So we don't really know how that impacts the, the rankings either. But we'll find that out tomorrow. They usually put up the rankings at 4 p.m. on social media. So we'll find out then how Chris Statlander beating Hikaru Shida last night impacts the rankings in this division. Also, as it concerns Chris Statlander, it is now confirmed that Chris Statlander has signed a full-time deal with AEW. So that's good. You don't really want someone who's not signed beating your number one contender. And also signed to All Elite Wrestling is Big Swole. Um, which just makes sense because I think Big Swole has wrestled on like every card they've had since Dynamite started. So it makes sense to, to actually sign her to a contract. Um, so both those two will uh, be full-time now with the AW Women's Division. And yeah, somebody really needs to separate themselves from the rest of the pack here to be the next to challenge Riho. Next up, we had a Brandy Rhodes segment. So Brandy and Awesome Kong came down to the ring as Statlander's sort of still in there. And Brandy started talking about the Nightmare Collective, which is an extension of the Nightmare family, which is the... Rhodes family, I guess. It's like Cody and Brandy because their YouTube channel is called The Nightmare Family. You know, Cody has used the Nightmare moniker sort of as a contrast to his dad's being the the American dream, right? So Brandy offered Statlander a chance to pledge herself in the in the Nightmare Collective, but we didn't really get Statlander's response. Brandy and Awesome Kong have their attention diverted by a fan at ringside who seems very eager to join the Nightmare Collective. And as Awesome Kong has been going around and uh, chopping off bits of people's hair, what they do to this woman is they knife off a piece of her hair and then they attempted to try and shave her head during the split-screen commercial break. But it takes a long, long time to shave someone's head, especially if they have lots of hair. You can't just go at it, you know? you got to trim it first and then get the right... Anyway, they had to head to the back to eventually do this. They would 
tweet out a picture of the woman whose hair is now completely shaved, and she's joined the Nightmare Collective, sort of reminding me a little bit of the Straight Edge Society. Um, but so Brandy, Brandy Rhodes now, maybe she's going to be the leader of a heel faction in the women's division that involves Awesome Kong, and, well, we'll see who else. This fan who had her head shaved. And we'll see what happens with Chris Statlander. Doesn't seem like she was too interested in joining Brandy Rhodes' collective. I mean, Statlander is an alien from outer space, so we don't know how she would react to these kinds of things. Next up, we had a grudge match. Christopher Daniels going up against Pentagon Jr. And this rivalry dates back to the start of the tag team title tournament where the SCU team was supposed to be Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels. However, before the first match could begin, the Lucha Bros came out and Pentagon delivered a package pile driver to Daniels on the entrance ramp. And that took him out of the tournament. So he comes back here and he wants, he wants a, a shot at revenge against Pentagon. Last time we saw Pentagon, he lost to Trent in a match on Dark. And he was able to, or Pentagon, sorry, was able to pick up the win here. Not without some controversy. So Phoenix came down to ringside and threw into the ring Christopher Daniels' mic stand. You know, he comes out and sort of pretends he's a rock singer. And so it looked like, you know, Pentagon was going to use it. But then Christopher Daniels decides... He's going to use it. Is he going to hit Pentagon? And decides, no, 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 no. And he throws the mic stand down. Then as the referee goes to put the mic stand away, the referee's out of position. This allows Pentagon to hit the low blow. Then wraps Daniels into the package pile driver, finishes him off, and gets the win. So, tough break for Christopher Daniels. Not able to get revenge on the Lucha Bros for taking him out of the tag title tournament. And as for Pentagon, he picks up a win. It was a good day for the Lucha Bros. They both won in singles competition. Phoenix defeating Trent and then Pentagon defeating Christopher Daniels. So a good bounce back week for the Lucha Bros after dropping a tag match to the best friends last week. And then finally, it was our main event. We had the bad boy Joey Janela going up against John Moxley. Now, these two had wrestled before in a lights out match, which John Moxley won. And John Moxley, we have it up on the side. He did an interview with Chris Van Vliet, um, I guess last week, two weeks ago. I can't remember. But it's up on the site, and we have transcriptions up, and he talked about how much he loves death matches, how some of his favorite matches of all time are are from the deathmatch style. And of course, Joey Janela and his Game Changer Wrestling. Um, so very, I mean, these two have some very similar styles and a similar approach to pro wrestling. Now, this was just, now this was no, no lights out. The lights were very much on. The win-loss records counted. Moxley was able to pick up the win. Um... With the paradigm shift. 
And then at the end of the night, it was very similar to what Moxley had done to Jericho previously. Or Jericho, I think he had, is this, was it after he defeated Scorpio Sky? Yeah, Jer so Jericho defeated Scorpio Sky. He's celebrating in the ring, and it looks like, it looks like the show's going to end with Jericho just celebrating his victory. But then Moxley's music hits, and we see Moxley in the crowd, and it's just, all he does is he just looks at Jericho. And, and uh, like, all the fans are, are left going, oh, are we going to Moxley versus Jericho? Or are we going to get Moxley versus Jericho next? So this week, Moxley wins the main event, and all Jericho does, Jericho and the other members of the Inner Circle, they just come down the aisle way in the stands the same way Moxley does, and all Jericho did was hold up his championship belt and look in Moxley's direction. And it looks like that's going to be our next big match. Our next big AEW World Championship match. I don't know if Jericho's match against Jungle Boy is for the title in Corpus Christi. I don't think it is. But Jericho versus John Moxley. And John Moxley has never been pinned or submitted in AEW. He's lost, like he was in a tag match with Pac. And he hit Pac with the paradigm shift, then bailed on the match. And so he, so technically he lost that match. Um, and he also had a time limit draw with Pac as well. But Moxley's never been pinned, never submitted. And so for that, you have to, I mean, he is the top ranked guy in AEW. He's right. The top five going into last night were Moxley, Pac, Omega, Cody, MJF. We didn't see Pac this week. We didn't see Omega. Cody just cut a promo. We didn't see MJF. John Moxley won a match. So John Moxley's still going to be the number one contender. But we don't even know when the next AEW pay-per-view is. I imagine that'll be announced after the new year. Or, like, when the new year starts. But it seems like, it seems like John Moxley versus Chris Jericho could be the next pay-per-view headliner for all elite wrestling and you have to wonder who is going to come out of that match the winner somebody's gonna i mean i don't think we've had a match in AEW yet where there wasn't oh well we've had time limit draws but there's not gonna be a time limit draw in this one so like who's gonna win between jericho and moxley does john moxley walk out of the next AEW pay-per-view as the new AEW world champion I think there's a good chance of that happening but i think there's also a good chance that jericho will retain over moxley so that match moxley versus jericho i mean you could argue those are the two biggest stars in the company is moxley versus jericho the biggest match that aew can do right now i think it is so we'll find out more about when Assuming that he does, we'll find out more about when John Moxley is going to challenge Chris Jericho for that AEW World Championship. And we are going to end it there for this episode of the show. Thanks so much for supporting SpoilerFreeWrestling.com and this podcast, as well as our website. So thanks again, everyone. I'm Ian Gary from Spoiler Free Wrestling. <laughs>